Uh-huh. I just feel like I've been around the block, ripping up fantasy stock, working around the clock. Look at the view from the top. Researching rookies a lot? No, I just be listening to pods. Yeah, one in particular. I'm just a messenger. Let me just pass on the rock. Browning, running, bruning, pronouncing ain't what he's doing. What he's doing is not losing, but infusing you with new things. And there's Dennis the Bennett. Yeah, the man is a menace. Yeah, building a dynasty. Some of the finest things. Promise you, you won't regret it. Slice a fox, cultured in pop, give him his props. Here is a thought, here is a box, and you cannot compare them at all, so don't even try. Careful with the news, but when you use a take, I take up Tony Fire, I mean dire, because anyone else is a huge mistake. Whoa, fantasy round table, fantasy, fantasy round table, yeah, fantasy round table, come take a look at the crown, baby. Hey, fantasy round table, fantasy, fantasy round table, fantasy round table, come take a look at the crown, baby, go. What is going on, everybody? Welcome to another episode of the Fantasy Football Roundtable Podcast. It is Thursday, August 26th. We are one day away from the last preseason game of this year. Or not, I guess the last preseason, the last week of preseason games. Not the last game. There's like, what, 17, 16 games going on this weekend? Anything on Monday? Not Monday. They end Sunday night. Sunday night football is the cap. And it's uh, the Browns, of course. We're ending on on a good note. Ooh, interesting. I did not know that. I've been so wrapped up in college starting this week, the week zero games, that I have not paid attention. I just know that it's the last week. So we then go, what, it's almost like a two-week break, isn't it? It's it's quite a lengthy break it before is. we jump into the actual NFL season. But, hey, we get college football week one next week. That's yeah, that's what, that's what makes it a little bit interesting with the structure of the three-week preseason getting uh, used to. They've done cuts every week. You know, they cut down five after week one. They cut down five after week two. Final cut-down day is on Tuesday, uh, and then they'll put together kind of their their um, practice squad teams, and then you're really dark for two weeks almost um, before the September 9th kickoff. It, it's going to be a little to get used to. Yeah, it's going to be a lot of, um, I don't know if the cuts are really going to matter that much. We'll probably talk cuts next week. We get a chance to hopefully catch up on what if, because we uh, have not, neither one of us have been able to watch episode three. So maybe we can talk episode three and four, and maybe I'll just dive into a bunch of college stuff next week, because we do have a bunch of really good games uh, for next week on college. Uh, but let's, uh, besides that, Matt, how you doing before we jump into, what are we talking about today here? We're going to go over preseason Week three, injuries, notes, uh, important games, and then NFL team over-unders. Yeah, the NFC win total over-unders. So, NFC. Uh, yeah, I, I'm I'm doing okay. Still in recovery from uh, one of our news items uh, that dropped yesterday. A um, little, uh, little less pumped about watching my, my Broncos this season. Yeah, I... Um... I, I, it was uh, funny in our Slack channel for the website when that news dropped. Everybody kind of reached. I was like, "Hey, are you okay? Is is are you going to be okay?" I, I, well, we'll talk more about that obviously when we get to it because I, I have some thoughts, and I'm sure you do as well. So, so let's kick it off with obviously the big news. Um, it, this happened Tuesday, if I'm remembering correctly. It was yeah, official they, Tuesday morning. They played the Monday night game. Um, yeah. yeah, and then it came out. So he got a uh, Travis Etienne got hurt in the game. They talked about just being a sprained foot. Then the news came out. It was a Liz Frank injury. And then they went ahead and had him have surgery and they put him on IR Wednesday, which if you put a player on IR in the preseason ends their season. So he is not coming back. We will not see him at all this season, uh, which is a tough break for a rookie running back that a lot of people had high hopes for. Uh, Matt, what are, what are your thoughts on him going there and his kind of dynasty value moving forward? Because that, that's another thing. With this Liz Frank injury, there's not a lot of players who have bounced back from this and been the player we saw them beforehand. We didn't get to see much of ETN NFL-wise, but he had a very decorated college career. Yeah, and I think one of the concerns some people had coming out of college is he played four years and had a lot of college carries. Um, so I had a lot of mileage. We already know running backs, you know, don't have a super long uh, career span anymore. That being said, I 
didn't realize until they started posting some of the medical things how uh, bleak it's been for some of the people coming back from these Liz Frank injuries. Um, so that gave me a moment of pause. I think immediately in the short term, uh, it's a boost for Carlos Hyde, who we should have known when Carlos Hyde went to Jacksonville, that dude finds a way to get on the field. Um, you know, people that are in front of him in line just get the, you know, Tanya Harding treatment. So, uh, you know, sorry, pour one out for Travis Etienne. Probably helps uh, LaVisca Chenault. I know you and I were both on the train that we thought that there might be some overlap in their role. Probably is now wheels up on LaVisca Chenault the way some people had thought uh, previously. Uh, and I also think it's it's probably a boon to James Robinson, who we saw people forget he was a really decent three down back. He caught quite a few passes last year, caught 49 balls, uh, ran for over a thousand yards, had more than 200 carries, more than 225 carries. So, you know, I think they still have some pieces in place. It's a little bit disappointing. Um, a lot of people. Travis Etienne was no worse in any of the drafts I saw than the third running back off the board, but in a lot of places was second. Uh, there was a lot of debate. People were kind of split about whether they liked him or Javante Williams more. A lot of people had very high hopes. It's going to be pretty crushing. Um, you know, usually if you have a high draft pick and you're taking a running back super high, it's probably because you need some running back help, um, which now has not materialized. I I'm not ready to give up on him. I actually wouldn't sell him right now because I think his value is not going to get, uh, is, you know, it's only going to go back up higher. I think it's probably pretty depressed right now. It's just unfortunate. It's sunk asset. You have to hope he comes back. Is it kind of, we've seen it happen with receivers. I mean, I don't know. I'm sure you have some Paris Campbell shares too. I remember taking him I in do. the first round and still waiting for some kind of a payoff there. Yeah, I have my fair share of uh, Paris Campbell and rosters, and uh, I don't have any ETN that was more of just, as you mentioned, I was very much on the Javante train yeah. over him. I, I felt like I was one of the very first people to talk about Javante back in like week two of the college season. Uh, so him and uh, him and Najee were, were much higher, in my opinion, uh, or at least in my rankings, over ETN. Uh, but still sucks to see him go down like that. He is a very talented player. Would have loved to see what he did. I, I love being proved wrong when I when I say I think a player is not going to be good. So would love to see that. I agree with you. You can't trade him at this point unless someone just blows you away. Two first-round picks or something like that. But you can't trade him because you're just not going to get back fair value for him at this point. And it, it sucks to see him go. But I think uh, Jacksonville, you know, if I'm being honest, I don't think he changes much for Jacksonville being out. Uh, they didn't seem like they were going to be a very good team to begin with. Uh, so I, I don't know that that changes much for them outside of, as you mentioned, Carlos Hyde. Another running back, Sony Michelle, was traded to the Los Angeles Rams. Well, I don't know about the Rams part making – I shouldn't say make sense. Uh, I didn't see the Rams part coming, but I did see Sony Michelle leaving the Patriots, especially with as good as Felix's boy, Ramondre Stevenson, has looked uh, – was not expecting him to look as good as he did. They already have Brandon Bolden on their roster, James White, Damian Harris, who's the presumptive starter, and then you have Ramondre Stevenson breaking up the way he has in this preseason. JJ one Taylor. of those guys had – yeah, J.J. Taylor. One of those guys – at least one had to go. They're not cutting Brandon Bolden because he's a huge special teams guy for them. He's like Matt, Matthew Slater, wide receiver. Never really plays any offensive snaps, but great on special teams team captain kind of guy that Bill likes to keep around. Uh, so one of them had to go, and it ends up being Sony Michelle. I actually think this could be a very good move for his career and for the Rams. Uh, we know Darrell Henderson got hurt as well, injured his thumb, supposed to be ready for the, uh, the season opener here, but he goes down again. He's struggled with injuries since he's been in the NFL. So what are your thoughts about Sony Michelle going to the Rams? For, I believe it was a fifth and sixth round conditional pick. Yeah, I wasn't surprised. We, we uh, I think, all expected the Rams were going to add somebody. It was either going to be one of these veterans that were still hanging around in free agency. I think uh, it's a little bit of a bummer that, you know, you couldn't see maybe the Todd Gurley reunion or see a Le'Veon Bell. Um, you know, I think those guys got were trendy pickups on waiver wires because there was some hope that they were going to bounce in there. I thought they might go the route of trading for one of these guys that's on the end of a rookie deal. I had thought possibly Royce Freeman, but it seemed like with the Mike Boone injury that Royce Freeman might be more um, important to keep for Denver than he was before. Michelle, you know, is in that same boat. He's in that same class. 
he's kind of in that same position having lost his job. So it makes sense that that would be, uh, you know, another appealing low cost and it's a low investment. They need somebody this year. They're not sure what they're going to get from acres, uh, but they're hoping to have him back next year. Um, and they need insurance. I think it's really more of a comment that they looked at Xavier Jones. They looked at Jake Funk. They, um, I, they had somebody else in the backfield that got injured that was competing to be a kick returner as well. Calais um, got hurt and he's oh, yeah, out yeah. now too. So I think it was them looking, saying, hey, we're pretty thin. Um, I still think Henderson ends up being the lead guy there. I always thought there was going to be a partial committee. I don't think, I think you were a little bit like me. I didn't vault him up to be like RB12, like some people thought Akers was going to be. I thought he could be a low-end RB2. I think he still can be. I think we've seen Michelle as another guy who's not always uh, been able to stay healthy and on the field. Um, but he's got some power. I wouldn't be surprised if he's a goal back. I think he ends up playing a lot of the Malcolm Brown role. Which can be very fantasy relevant. We saw him kind of uh, be fantasy relevant in, in multiple games last year. And I'm with you. I think I had Henderson at like, it was between somewhere between 16 and 20. So I didn't vault him up in a, in a massive way, but he was up there. And I thought most of that was just volume. He's going to have the opportunity and what I expected to be a very, potent Rams offense down into the red zone. If he was able to get some touchdowns, he's going to be able to shoot up. And I agree with you. I think that's probably the role Sony Michelle ends up in, which likely then buoys him up some. I'm not taking him much higher anyways. Uh, I still think he's probably a, I mean, what, 10th, 11th round pick, maybe 12th round pick. He's probably going to go yeah. higher than that, I would think, after the trade. But I think if you can find him in that round, I'd be happy to take him because I do think he's going to have some fantasy value. What I would be leery of or or – hoping you get in your league depending on how you feel about draft strategy is I've seen some people that are back on the same it feels like the same train they were on when Sony Michelle was drafted at the end of the first round and people thought he was going to be a bell cow I still don't think that's how the Rams play it and we already know the Rams offense is a little bit complex um, to yeah. learn I don't know that uh, from what I've seen it doesn't strike me as particularly similar to the Patriots offense and we've seen particularly with young running backs even talented young running backs like Henderson when he was drafted and Akers when he was drafted took them time to understand the complexities of the Rams offense to get out on the field in a meaningful way so right now his current ADP and of course this is probably doesn't have all the updated stuff since this trade happened just two days ago, but it was at 165, 53rd RB off the board. So I'm, I'd be perfectly fine paying that. It's likely going to jump up that. That's a 13th round pick. I would think you probably at this point have to grab him in the 10th or 11th round. And even the 11th, 10th still feels like maybe it's too high, but I, I think uh, 11th round, if you could get him there, I'd be, I'd be happy with Sony Michelle there. Cause I do think again, he'll, he'll bring you some, Fantasy value. Uh, Trevor Lawrence, uh, going back to Jacksonville, was finally named the starter. Why I think we all realized or thought that that was going to happen. They were kind of going back and forth. It seemed at least Urban Meyer was playing in that game for whatever reason. He's been announced the starter. Uh, doesn't really change much for me. I expected him to be the starter. Uh, I don't even think he's going to be uh, the best rookie quarterback this year. Uh, just based on what I've seen in the preseason, I might actually put him – fourth because i don't know if lance starts although we'll get to that in a minute uh i think all, all uh, fields wilson and mac jones have a chance to uh, out uh, produce him as rookie quarterbacks yeah i don't know about mac mac jones because it's you know cam newton hasn't looked bad either i still think that they're they're gonna play cam but i guess we'll see to me, I, I don't understand why they were playing these games about potentially not putting Trevor Lawrence out there. They had a Jacksonville beat writer this morning on NFL radio, and he was suggesting it's because they have concerns the offensive line isn't very good. And I'm like, well, you know, it's you know not going to be very good for anyone you put back down there. Aren't you going to give yourself the best chance? He needs to be out there to learn and grow. You can't take the number one overall pick in the draft and not play them. Yeah, I mean, they tried to do – I know he wasn't the number one overall pick. I think he was pick three in Blake Bortles, and they tried to do the same thing, and then they ended up playing him. Like, it's one of those things that you just – you've got to – You've. I guess you don't well, have that to was, play him. But. That was somewhat egregious, too, because it wasn't even behind Chad Henney. I mean – Yes. You know yeah. Gardner Minshew isn't the answer. He looked 
lost last year. So it's it's hard to believe you're saying, well, you know, he could be the guy. If you thought in any way he was the guy, you make a different draft strategy. Yeah, and the only reason I, I I'm I think Mac Jones could be the starter is there are a lot of rumors coming out now. I guess Cam Newton violated COVID protocols and they're not happy with some of the things he's doing off field and, and after practice that I mean, I know he's looked good, but I wouldn't be surprised. That's a Bill Belichick thing to do to well, just throw Mac Jones out there. And Cam Newton's on a very, very cheap contract. They, they'd have to reverse their position then because the Patriots came out and said it was an approved outing to a medical appointment, and they misunderstood what the tra- testing protocol was and that Cam Newton was getting daily tests. It just – the NFL won't accept tests from an outside facility. So the Patriots statements seem to be like, we knew this was happening. We thought we were following it and realized we weren't. Um, but I guess we'll see. I just quietly, everybody talked about Mac Jones and I don't think Mac Jones didn't look good. I'm not saying that, but if you look, Cam Newton looked oh, he's pretty looked good Cam. too. I mean, he's. Yeah, been, Cam has looked uh, good. Yes. So um, it's not speaking exactly play yeah. on the field that would knock him out. Oh yeah, yeah. Uh, speaking of rookie quarterbacks, Kyle Shanahan is not ready to name his Week One quarterback. Do you think this is a good sign for Trey Lance and that he's holding off as long as possible and maybe uh, wants Trey Lance to show him one more thing to just say, you know what, you've got it. I'm giving you the job. Or what are your thoughts on the San Francisco starting yeah, quarterback? Yeah, I mean, I. I don't think you can read it as anything other than it's a sign that they're rethinking about Trey Lance. There was a lot of questions about how do you trade three first round picks and take somebody number three and then come out right away as they seemingly did and say, we probably won't play him at all this year. It seemed like they were deadlocked into these positions. We've seen Chicago come back on, on, on fields a little bit, but not as much as what, Going into the last week of the preseason, Kyle Shannon, I don't know who I want to start yet. Well, that's very different than where it was in the draft, and that has to be pressure they're seeing and what they're seeing on the field. I mean, I'd love to see him go out there and start. I I still don't think Jimmy G's a horrible quarterback, but Trey Lance has got all the upside in the world. So I I would love to see it just because, you know, we talked a little bit about it beforehand, and when we do our our final team – predictions and everything. San Francisco's a very intriguing team, and they yeah. have a lot on the offensive and defensive side of the ball. And if Trey Lance can put it all together, I mean, I think he realistically makes them a Super Bowl contender. So I, I'd be very interested to see if he ends up getting that job. And unlike Jacksonville and the Jets, the 49ers actually have a very good offensive line. Yeah, yeah, one of the best. All right, let's just keep rolling with the rookie quarterbacks here. Andy Dalton is still, as of right now, the starter for week one for the Bears. Matt Nagy is not moving off of that narrative, even though, in my opinion, Justin Fields has massively outplayed him this offseason, even when he's been playing with the twos. Uh, He does, though, apparently get the start this week with the number one offense. So that should be very intriguing to at least give us a little bit of a taste of what Justin Fields and that number one offense, uh, or the number ones of that offense are going to look like. Have you reversed your position at all on how long you think Dalton will be a starter? I think you said it was like 10 because that's their bye beforehand. Are you still um, holding strong to that? Or are you coming around to my side and Justin Fields will be starting by like week three or four or maybe five? Yeah. Now a couple of weeks ago we talked about, uh, I, I think it's going to be earlier. Um, how early depends. You know, there's more of a chance you get to see him when you go and put it, your game is what week three, week three. Yes, I think the problem they they probably won't beat the Rams, but you know if that game's close, then the week after they're at home against Cincinnati, and I think with Dalton, he may even be more energized to win, and I think they do win that game. It's 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 how they look on the field. So if they look horrific and are getting blown out, then that happens quickly. If they're losing tough games, I wouldn't. They're not favored. They're in LA. They're not favored against LA. Um, it's you know if they got blown out at home by Cincinnati, he's definitely in there. If they win that game pretty handily, I that's where I don't know. Like. Nagy and Vic Fangio are in the same position, and I feel like they're almost making the same decision for the same reasons of being 
par- paranoid of losing. So if the Bears yeah. started getting blown out and looked bad in games that they were supposed to win, then they that's what they did with Foles. I mean, we saw it. They he he was worried Trubisky wasn't the guy. He thought Foles was going to be the safe choice. When they started looking horrific with Foles, he was like, "Well, screw this. I need to put somebody else in." Yeah, I, I still maintain I think he's going to start by week three because I'm with you there. I, well, I shouldn't say there's no way. That, that's why they play the game. I guess there is a way that the Bears could beat the Rams. I don't see it. And and just the way I've seen Andy Dalton play, especially in the last preseason game, I, I could see the Bengals making a game of it. I mean, so, you, they were getting Joe Burrow back this week. He's playing week three, so week three of the preseason, which is probably leading toward good of him starting week one. Uh, you know, I, I wouldn't be surprised if they make a game of it. And if they do, maybe we even see Justin Fields in week two. But I think we're going to see him sooner rather than later. Good news for you that we're going to see Joe Burrow here in week three. I know it was kind of like a worrying sign here for a while. Um, get to see him. Hopefully this leads to good things. Maybe, you know, he can get Jamar Chase the ball and he won't drop it and everybody can stop panicking about I him mean- as well. The biggest thing about Jamar Chase might be that those off the field, you know, so I, we're waiting for more info. But I read that those were false. That the okay. if you look, apparently the I don't know for a fact. So I'll just say what I was uh, what I read, and then if I'm wrong, I'm wrong. Uh, I read that apparently the handle was like a letter off of what has a girlfriend or wife's actual handle is so i don't know if that's true or not that's all i'm gonna say on it because i i don't really like commenting yeah. on that stuff until we know the facts but yeah i mean if that ends up being true yeah. whew, it, oh it's boy. not a good start for rookies right now <laughs> some- no not at all all right so let's go to teddy bridgewater who unfortunately for you was named the Poor starter in denver we'll we'll give a moment of silence here really quick just to kind of yeah, okay, I mean, even I'm, though that's I'm, bad radio. I'm still wearing my new team shirt, so. Yeah, uh, I mean, your thoughts. Obviously, a lot of people seem to th- like this for the running backs, and, you know, we've talked about it. It's probably a great thing for Jerry Judy. If, if Teddy Bridgewater was the quarterback, that seems to be what everybody are talking about, but what are your thoughts on Bridgewater being named the starter for your Broncos? I don't really know that it uh, improves Jerry Judy's um standing at all based on what I saw. I don't think it's good for any of the wide receivers reaching their maximum potential. Um, might be better for tight ends, uh, for fans. Um, you know, I'll be honest, he had two touchdown drives on Saturday night, six targets to Royce Freeman, two to Javante Williams, and three to Eric Soybert, who was the tight end. Uh, Judy did catch a pass, um, Hamler did catch a pass, but if you were kind of looking at, hey, they moved the offense, and this was against Seattle's backups. The the tough thing in evaluating some of these Denver games is they've played a good chunk of starters on offense and defense, uh, but they've played against uh, teams that um, have been playing almost exclusively backups so it's been hard to get a total feel but but what i essentially said i don't know if drew lock is great or the answer what disappoints me about uh the process i wasn't incredibly surprised this happened if you were watching what happened in game two when bridgewater was out there they went on fourth down four times um, to just keep things going. When it came to Drew Locke, they pulled the offensive line, put in reserves. They pulled the running backs, put in different reserves, and put in different receivers. And when it was fourth and short, they went in and kicked field goals. And then afterwards said it was disappointing that they got field goals instead of touchdowns. Hate to break it to you, you would have gotten field goals instead of touchdowns if you hadn't gone for it repeatedly on fourth down when the other guy was in there as well against the starting offensive line with Javante Williams and Royce Freeman behind him instead of Demario Crockett with Noah Fant and Jerry Judy and KJ Hamler out there instead of uh Kendall Hinton, Trinity Benson, um, you know, not that those guys are terrible, but it, it was very clear to me kind of the way they were going. And they've been talking to Fangio when he gives his thoughts. It's always about giving them the best chance not to lose the game. And I feel like 
right now they're in a mindset because he's on a hot seat because they haven't been successful where they are trying not to lose rather than playing to win, Um, which ultimately I think always puts you in a weird conservative place. My personal opinion is in the AFC, you have to be able to score points to get into the playoffs. You're going to have to win 10 or 11 games to get into playoffs. I think they're trying to employ a strategy of playing great defense and having a game-managing offense, something like what the 2000 Ravens did. I don't know that that works in the currently constructed AFC or in the AFC West. I think that drops them to a 7-9 to win range and not in the playoffs and potentially doing a lot of soul-searching and rebooting this offseason. So you think Teddy starts uh, the entire season or do we see Drew Locke at some point? I mean, Teddy doesn't strike me as the kind of guy that's going to, like, make a ton of mistakes. And if – I guess it depends on – you know, I think he's in a similar situation as Chicago's coach, Matt Nagy, and it's how are – how is he going to respond to that if they – I think it's very probable or possible, even with Bridgewater, Denver starts 3-0. They're at the Giants, at the Jaguars, home for the Jets with the defense that they have and the pieces that they have not making mistakes probably is enough. But then you look at the rest of the schedule, you know, Denver plays the AFC North division. Those are all teams capable of putting up points that have pretty decent defenses, you know, play the chiefs twice. Even the Raiders put up good, good amount of points. You can play Justin Herbert twice going to play um i can't remember i think which nfc division it was but i was looking at that thinking that it was going to be some tough games too so i think it's going to be a fade in the middle bridgewater doesn't strike me as the kind of guy that plays bad enough to be getting replaced that way and i don't know if he has any kind of confidence or wants to take any kind of chances and i don't know what this decision would have done to drew drew lock mentally you know i think drew lock from watching him play, did every he the, he was making the safe checkdown throws because that was all that was available on Saturday night, and because in my opinion he looked like a guy that thought if he threw an interception he was screwed. That's what I feel like this has done to him. So I don't know if it's even a better option now that they've done this. Last uh, quarterback battle here, James Winston and Taysom Hill. Your thoughts on New Orleans and what they will do at quarterback. Seemed like Winston had pretty much locked this job up after the last preseason game. Do you agree with that? Yeah, I think they've got to go with with Winston. He looks like a better passer. The Marquez Marquez Callaway looked pretty good. Um, you know, I still haven't seen anything about Troutman. I think this concern still has to be about their weapons. Uh, so last I saw, he avoided serious injury, but I didn't see exactly what the injury was. So obviously that's good that he avoided serious injury, but I didn't see if they – I can't remember if they said he'd be ready for week one or not. And they have a pretty brutal schedule to open up. I mean, they got Green Bay in, in week one. I don't even know with Jameis Winston if I think they win that game. They don't. Yeah. All right. Last, uh, before we jump into the NFC over unders here, any other things that you uh, are looking forward to? You know, I mentioned I'm excited. The Browns are actually going to play all of their starters this week, Sunday night game. So get to see Baker, uh, Joe Burrow. I mentioned earlier, I'm really excited to see him get out there for the first time this preseason. Uh, anything for you that stands out you're excited to watch uh, this last week of the preseason? Just kind of praying against injuries. Uh, yeah. You know, we're we're in that range now where uh, I'm sure you, like me, have mostly drafted all your teams. And uh, like when you're, in things like, when you're in things like Scott Fishball or Vampire Leagues, whew, injuries. Yeah. yeah, I've got my main, my one, re, well, I'm, I guess I'm not in just one redraft league. We're doing the, the roundtable league as well. But my one uh, home redraft league, our draft is on uh, – Saturday at like 11 in the morning. So, yeah, I'm a little little nervous because usually we do it the week after, so we hopefully can avoid You still obviously can get, you know, practice injuries and everything, but you get to avoid that last week, and it's going to be it's gonna be interesting, but we'll, we'll see. I, I'm right there with you. Avoiding injuries is the big thing. So let's start. NFC win totals. We're going to kick it off here with the NFC South, where the defending Super Bowl champions – are and that is the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. They're over under a set at 12.5. And I'm the only one going under here. I do not think that they get to 
Uh, I think they get 12 wins. I do not think they get to 13, but you and Dennis are both over. So you're very confident in the Bucks getting 13 wins. Yeah, I was trying to, to look. I think uh, so last year um, they finished 11 and five. Oh, and got off to a little bit of a rocky start. They have everyone coming back together. They really seem to be gelling at the end of the season. When I was doing the schedule projections, I had them ending up 13-4, and four, and I think that's probably pretty safe. All right, the New Orleans Saints, who we were just talking about with their quarterback battle, has got a over-under set here at 9. Dennis took the over. Matt, what are you taking? <sighs> Yeah, this was a tough one. Um, you know, I really wanted to push because I feel like they end up nine and eight. Um, yeah. Some of these over-unders, you know, now uh, with the – I don't know if they were thinking about the 17-game uh, schedule and how, how that kind of messes things up. 13 is probably like the old 12, and yeah. uh, nine's like the old eight. Um, so I wanted to push, but if I have to choose on either side, because I think my projection, I had them nine and eight, uh, I would go under because I feel more confident they did eight than 10. I, I want to take the over just because I believe in that defense enough. And if Jameis can just not turn the ball over, they're going to win some games that they might have lost. I know, I know. I'm going to say, you know what? I'll, I'll go with you. I'm going to go under because I just, uh, James is going to cost them probably a game or two. And that's going to, that's going to eventually, I think, screw them. So I will take, I'll take the under on the Saints. The Panthers over under set at 7.5. Uh, and I'm with you here as well. I am going to take the over. I thought they did really good last year. I'm going to buy in that Sam Darnold is going to be a little bit better than what we got out of Teddy Bridgewater. Uh, last year with this team. And I just, I believe in Joe Brady. I believe in what Matt rule and him are doing down there. They've got a lot of really good offensive weapons. They've improved that defense. So I'm taking the over. Uh, I, you have same thoughts on that. I see you're taking the over as well. Yeah. I'm not going way over, but I think they win at least eight or nine games. And Dennis has the under, if I did not mention that ahead of time. And the last team here in the South, the Atlanta Falcons, who are set at 7.5, and we are all taking the under. Yep. Yeah, I mean, Atlanta wasn't incredible last year. I pulled up their record. They were 4-12 and last year. I think they, you know, I wouldn't be surprised if they win five or six. That's still under 7.5. I don't think they're demonstrably better. I think they're still last place in their division. Agreed. NFC North, Green Bay Packers sitting at a over-under of 10. We are all taking the over. Green Bay uh, was the team that I picked uh, in our first run through of the schedule to make and win the Super Bowl. Uh, I think yeah. they're going to end up being the best team in the NFC now that Rodgers is back. And I think, in all honesty, he's still pretty pissed off with everything that's going on. And then he has a chance to, I believe, get out of his contract at the end of the season. So I think he wants to go out there. And try and put up. I don't. I'm not saying he's going to win the MVP, but I think try and go out and put up like another MVP type season, uh, and then possibly leave Green Bay high and dry. So I'm, I'm taking the over. Yeah, and I, I have to wonder. This felt like a little bit of a low line for me. I wonder if they haven't made an adjustment to him being back. I imagine that's probably what it was. Uh, Minnesota over under here at nine. Uh, Matt, you and Dennis went the same way here. Why? Why did you take uh, the under? Yeah, I mean, really, this is another one I probably would like to push, um, but I just feel like they're an eight or a nine win team. I'm not incredibly bullish on the uh, NFC North teams that aren't named Green Bay this year. I mean, I think Chicago has a brighter future, but I'm just yeah. not set that, that they deliver this year. And Minnesota, there's a lot of weird things going on, too, I, you know, not to go political, but Cousins has seemed to be pretty strongly on the kind of anti-vax. We've already seen that wipe out their quarterback room. He seems to be at odds with his coach, um, you know, with their back and forth comments. That doesn't strike me as particularly great. There just doesn't seem to be a, an incredible energy coming from Minnesota. So I was going to take the over until all of that, as you just mentioned, started going on. Because they're the every other year team, and last year they were not good, which means they were going to be good this year. But I agree with you. Just the, 
the weirdness with what's going on with Cousins and the coaching staff and everything. And I do think there is a but NFC yeah, North team. that said he was ass. <laughs> yeah, I think uh, there is an NFC North team, which I guess is not going to be – it's it's not going to be hidden when I finish saying this. There is one other team I think is going to get two ten wins in the NFC North, uh, and it is not the Vikings. It is the next team, which is the, the Chicago Bears – no, not the Lions. Uh, the Chicago Bears, who are set at 7.5. I'm taking the over um, because I do believe in Justin Fields. Uh, I do think he's going to be able to win them games. They have a defense that is ready to win now, and I think they honestly have the offense to do it as well if Fields can go out there and produce like he did at the Ohio State University. Now, I have been very much on the train that he starts by like week two or three, which I think gives him – probably an extra win or two here or there based on I know you and Dennis were at least earlier in the offseason a little bit further down the line on that that maybe yeah. not week 10 like we first talked about but five six where I think yeah. he starts much earlier gets them a couple extra wins I think they could honestly get to 10 wins this year with that defensive fields at quarterback so I'm taking the over what are you guys doing yeah, Dennis took the under. I uh, had initially gone under, but I revised that to kind of a slight over, seeing where it is at seven and a half. I feel the same way about them that I feel about Carolina. I think at least in the eight, nine range. I don't know if I'm yeah. going to 10, but I think they, you know, an eight, nine season shouldn't be out of the realm. Come they on. Eight and eight last year. Ten wins. To imagine they're demonstrably worse. Exactly. 10 wins. Come on. The, the water's fine. The water's beautiful over here. Come on. 10 wins. Jump in. It's going to be, it's going to be a fun season. I'm, I'm excited for them. I have to run it, uh, you know, one more time. There's a few, I feel like my perf- feelings about these sh- teams keep shifting and I still, yeah. the, there's one that screws everything up that I don't know what to think about, which is the freaking Texans. I, I wish the NFL <clears throat> would either come out and say we're not ever going to do anything to Deshaun Watson and it's on Houston whether or not they want to play him or they would come out and put him on the exempt list because as bad as that roster is with Deshaun Watson, you know, you you don't zero them out. But if if you think he's not playing, they're like a one or two win team and they actually play some of these teams like the Bears and the Vikings. And if Watson's there and they're at home, I think they can win some of these games. But if he's not there... So, yeah, I, I will be honest. My 10 is is solely based on Justin Fields starting by week two or three. If it's Andy Dalton for a week five, you can take the massive under because they're likely going to be like 0 and 5, I think. I, I don't, uh, no faith. Even though Andy Dalton thinks it's his time, I completely disagree with him. It's not his time. Well, his it can time be his time and, and still not translate into wins. His yeah, time it's, it's his time. It's his time to hold a clipboard. That's his time. It's not his time to be the starting quarterback of the Chicago Bears. Uh, the last team here in the NFC North is Dennis's Detroit Lions, who have an over-under set at 4.5. And honestly, I want to go over because I could see them getting the five wins. Like, But I'm going to go under because yeah. I'm a little worried. Obviously, Jared Goff doesn't really inspire confidence. Not great uh, wide receiver core outside of Amon Ross St. Brown and TJ Hawkinson. And then you've got all this weirdness around what's going on with DeAndre Swift. I don't even know if he's going to start the season. But they have one of the best offensive lines in the game, which I think everybody's kind of overlooking because of how bad the rest of the team is. If Swift is healthy, we've seen Goff, when he gets protection, can be a very good quarterback. I shouldn't say very good. He can be a competent quarterback. So I could see them going over under, but if I had to put a – amount of money on it that made me uncomfortable. I'm probably going to bet the under. Yeah, I'm taking the under. They have that three to four win kneecap biting energy for this season for me. Uh, very well done. Very well done there. All right, let's go to a team that they're going to be kind of linked with, with the trade they made, sending Matt Stafford to the Los Angeles Rams. They are set at 10.5. Which way did you go here for the Rams? I went over. Uh, it felt low to me. I, I think they're. I think first of all, the NFC West is going to be a brutal and great division. I would not yes. be shocked to see all all four over five hundred, and you know, one of them may be a nine win team that's still going to be over five hundred. But I think the Rams still feel to me like slightly at the top. Yeah, I will take uh, – Dennis took the over. I will take the over as well. I think they are the second-best team in the NFC outside of the Green Bay Packers. 
adding a guy like Matt Stafford, who I think is still one of the best quarterbacks in the league with, as we talked about on our defense and special teams episode, uh, one of the best defenses in the NFL. And then you've got those weapons and, you know, my brother-in-law, Sean McVay, when his offensive mind, just it, they, they've got it all You're working for him right now. I like brother-in-laws, you know, it sounds, sounds more important, but, uh, uh, yeah, I, I'm all in on the Rams. I think they're going to be a very, very good team this year. San Francisco, which this is very surprising to me, although I guess all of their over-unders are pretty high, but 10.5 for the 49ers, which I imagine they set this assuming Jimmy G was going to be the quarterback. So I'm going to let yeah. you go first on this one. Which way are you going with the 49ers? First of all, Dennis, if you're listening, uh, can you please comment on how a number of 10.5 gets a push from you? Because I literally <laughs> don't. I mean, it's a, it's not a whole number. Maybe he, uh, maybe he thought it was 10. Maybe he thought it was 10 wins, and that's why he did the push. Dennis took under slash push, um, so he's, he's projecting a tie in there. Uh, I also – I went under because um, I think they can get to 10. You know, I expect nine or 10. I don't think they're an 11 or 12 win team, regardless of who plays quarterback. And the more, you know, earlier in the offseason, I was writing the Jimmy G probably stays in there all season because they're hovering around making the playoffs. They're hovering around contention. I think even though I think that's where they stay. And I, I think the last pass I did, I had them ending 10 and seven. I still think you get at least one or two games of Trey Lance. And now it's looking like a little bit more. But if Trey Lance is the guy, I also still don't think they make – they do not have the easiest schedule. I think there's going to be a lot of cannibalization of the NFC West against each other, as we saw with the AFC North last year. You know, when you're all good teams, you get a lot of splits. Yeah, I, I will take the under because if it was set at 10, I would take the over because uh, I think 10 is the number. I agree with you there. And I was going to ask, so I'm glad that you answered whether Trey Lance starts all season or not because I agree with you. I think while he has phenomenal upside, he is a guy who did not play football at all last year outside of one game. There's going to be some kind of learning curve, which likely might cost them a game or two, but they're still one of the best teams in the NFC. I think 10 is probably the number. So 10.5 is like the perfect – you either got to go all in or just go under. I'm going to take the under here on, on the Rams as well. Seattle comes in as a 10 as well. Dennis put, Dennis put under or push. Um, I will go – oh, man, this is tough because I think they 10 is like a very realistic number for them as it well. Because I, I agree with you. I think this is like a – them and the AFC North I think are going to be like the two toughest divisions this year. Uh, but I will go under, and I think they're going to be, I'll say it here first, last in the AFC West. I have a lot of questions and concerns about this team. I think that defense is going to take a step back. I don't love what they're doing on the offense. We've seen this kind of shifting narrative every year of are we going to be run heavy, pass heavy, and they continue to change that every single year. Instead of just letting Russell Wilson be Russell Wilson, I think this is one of the years that's going to kind of catch them a little bit. Is eight but Eight wins make them under 500, right? Because it's yeah, 17. It so they have to be eight, nine. Ooh, ooh. nine I don't know if I really want to yeah. say that. I don't really I, I want to say that. The last pass I had, I had them in fourth place at nine and eight. I've consistently had them at the eight or nine when Mark. They don't have a particularly easy schedule, and we know yeah. that in some years they've been able to overcome this, but typically they've struggled traveling to the east. They make quite a few um, long-distance road trips in the East Coast time zone, I noticed this year, and I think you can't underestimate that as a factor. Last for the NFC West is the Arizona Cardinals, set at 8.5. I am taking the over. I picked them to make the playoffs last year. Looked like that was going to happen. Kyler gets hurt, and I think that's a big reason why. I think to get to 9 Possibly even 10 wins. I, I think the first run through, I had all four teams in the NFC West making the playoffs. I think at least three do. And I think the three are going to be the Rams, 49ers, and Cardinals. I think the Seahawks miss out. Uh, but I'm going to take them with over easy because I think they could get to 
I think easily nine, and I honestly think they could get to ten. What did uh, what did you and Dennis though take here for the Cardinals? Dennis said over barely, so he's probably on the nine win train. Um, I took the over. I think they get to ten. Honestly, I think it's insulting that they have the lowest over under here. I think they made some improvements, and they were not the worst team in their division last year. So it's kind of interesting to me that they're they're projecting him down. I think people just still. Um, don't always trust the Cardinals. I liked what they did this offseason. I like their weapons. I think they win 10 games. I actually think they possibly end up being the second place team in their division. I like it. It's just, you know, the no faith in Cliff Kingsbury. You know, we got a lot of, uh, yeah, a lot of, a lot I mean, of those. Uh, I'm saying this despite the fact that I, I experienced Vance Joseph, their defensive coordinator, as a uh, head coach. But you know they have TJ or, or JJ Watt, uh, so that brings some veteran experience. Uh, they brought in AJ Green, some veteran experience. I actually liked the James Conner um, pickup. You know, I, I think he's he'll be even better in a specific role. I like the Rondale Moore pick. I'm one of the people that thinks Christian Kirk's finally going to get a chance to show what he can do. Um, I, I like the pieces. I like the potential. All right. Let's go now to the NFC East. Dallas Cowboys over under at nine. What did uh, Dennis got over or a push here? What are yep. you taking here for the Cowboys? Way over. This is another line I find uh, kind of insultingly low. I think, I think they're a good team. They are a good team. I'm worried about Dak. I know he's healthy, somewhat. I don't know. I Dak guess. Oh, I'm probably gonna take. I'm probably gonna take the overs. I think they get to ten wins. I don't think they win the division, but I think they get to ten wins. So I will give them the. I'll give them the over, over here, because I think the team next on the list wins the division as long as Ryan Fitzpatrick continues to be the Ryan Fitzpatrick we've seen the last two seasons. That is the Washington football team. We're sitting at 8.5. This is an easy over for me. I, I, I think, you know, you mentioned a couple of these seem a little bit disrespectful. I think they might have, if not arguably the best defense, a top three defense in the league right now. They've got weapons all over that offense. I don't even think they need Ryan Fitzpatrick to be Fitz Magic. They just need him to be an average quarterback, they and they're going to be, to be a good team. Tragic. Exactly. Like I, I, I think they easily get to nine, possibly ten or eleven. I think they will be battling with the Cowboys all year to win that division. I'm going to give the edge. Uh, for me, it's going to be Washington. I picked them the first time. I'm probably going to stick with that because I really like. I picked them to make the playoffs last year, and I feel like I was just a year ahead of my time on that one. I'm all well, in. They on did. Washington. They did make the playoffs last year. So you oh wait, right they did, them. didn't they? That's right. They were the ones so like smart. <laughs> I'm so smart. Um, I, you know, I forgot about that. They almost beat Tampa Bay, too. Yeah, Dennis took the over. I think we all took the over. I agree with you that I think they compete with the Cowboys all season for the division title. I think both teams end up in the 11 to 12 win range. That's why I have them both as easy overs. But I see, I think this is where we differ from. It seems like based on over-unders and, and the way other people have talked, they expect the NFC East to be closer to what it was last year and kind of tightly bunched together. I do not. I think there's two good teams yeah. and two teams that are less good. Yeah, and I agree with that because I'm going to take the under on the next two. Uh, and the next yeah. one up is the New York Giants, who is at seven. Uh, you know, we did our first run through. It's funny because I keep talking about I think Daniel Jones can have a better season, and I think the Giants can be a decent team. And then I did our first run through, and I'm pretty sure I had them at like one and thirteen. So I, I don't think that the Giants uh, are going to get to seven wins, or I think seven actually is maybe realistic. But I don't see them really going to 8, 9, or 10. So I'm going to take the under. I think 6, 7 is probably more realistic for the Giants this year. Uh, you know, they're still, I think, could be a good team in the future. But if they don't get to even 8 or 9 wins this year, I don't know if they keep Daniel Jones. So the Giants' future could be who knows what by this point in time next year. But I don't think they get to 7. Uh, what did uh, I think Dennis took the under as well. What did yeah. you take here for the Giants, Matt? Yeah, I went under as well. I'm, uh, I think this is probably it for Daniel Jones. 
And then last but not least, the Philadelphia Eagles, who looked really good in week one of the preseason, not so great last week. Uh, we will get to see Jalen Hurts. It looks like they'll play this week. Uh, he is thankfully over the stomach bug, so get to see him and uh, Devonta Smith together on the field. Should be a lot of fun. Their over-under is set at 4.5. Dennis took the over, and I lied. I think I'm going to take the over here as well. 4.5 just seems low. I think they can get to five wins. That seems realistic for me. So I'm going to I'm going to take the over. I don't think they get much over five, but five seems realistic. So I'm going to take the over for the Eagles. What are you taking uh, for the Philadelphia Eagles here, or the Eagles? I'm taking the under. I don't believe in Jalen Hurts. I think they're in line to get one of the top quarterback prospects next year. That sucks for them, I guess. I don't know. Who, who, who's their other pick? They have two first-round picks, right? Uh, or am I thinking of Detroit? Yeah, I'm thinking of Detroit, no, I think. No, they could have two first-round picks. It really depends oh, on Carson right. Wentz. Indy. If he yeah. gets 75% of the snaps, which now it does look like he's tracking to yeah. potentially be back week one after they gave us all the scare. I just, you know. I think they bought him out and then draft your boy Keaton Slovis. Oof. I would rather keep Jalen Hurts. All right, so that'll do it uh, for our NFC over-unders. Uh, we will be back on Monday with Dennis, yep. right? Dennis for the be- AFC okay. over-unders. Uh, We'll probably preview anything massive that happens in, in weeks, uh, week three of the preseason as well. So enjoy the last – Week of NFL preseason games. We've got week zero college football games on. I'll be honest, the NFL games are probably more intriguing. Not really any good college games on this weekend. Uh, But we will be back on Monday. Everybody enjoy. The games may not be incredible, but the pre-show and the after-show are going to be lit. Yes, I will say we will be here. Campstacan.com will be the tailgate starting. I'm probably going to get this wrong, but I'm pretty sure. At 10 o'clock Eastern, uh, going up until kickoff, Alfred, Chris Moxley, our new DFS guy, Will, will be handling all DFS lineup stuff. You'll have me, Austin, Colin, Brandon Hay for the first hour, kind of previewing stuff, going over everything. And then we will be live 10-ish p.m. Eastern time. I'm not sure that's confirmed. I'm probably just like throwing random stuff out here to kind of recap everything that happened. Uh, And that will be a weekly thing for the entire college football season. So I'm excited about that. You guys get to see my beautiful face practically all day Saturday. Now at this point, I'm not going to get much of a break, uh, but I'm definitely excited uh, to be on with them and the whole camps to Canton crew to kind of go over the college football stuff. So definitely come by, join us. We'll be on the campus to Canton YouTube page as well as Twitter and everything live Saturday morning and Saturday night. Uh, so hopefully you guys can come swing by if you want to talk some college football Outside of that, everybody have yourselves a good weekend. If you're in a draft, it seems to be a really big draft weekend. Enjoy it. The NFL season is right around the corner. We will talk to you guys again on Monday. Prepare for glory! I don't know if you got your popcorn ready. Do you got your popcorn ready? I came out the wall line ready. And he's hit the end zone for an unbelievable touchdown. I would be honored. Throw it up above his head. They can't jump with me. Golly! Only tackle at the 40-yard line. Who can make a play? I can. Who can make a play? I can.